Welcome back to Becky Well Daily, presented by Ben and Jim. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Joining us now to preview the upcoming college football season is Reed Wallach, host of the Early Read and of BetSided. You can also follow him on X at Reed Wallach. So let's start with Notre Dame here. They're playing in Dublin for week zero. They're 20 and a half point favorites against Navy. The total is 50 and a half. Is there a play in this game or do you and or do you have a future with the Irish you also want to share? Hey, guys. Uh, happy to be on. Happy to talk college football. Uh, we're so close. Uh, I, could, I could taste week zero. I could taste the Dublin opener between Navy and Notre Dame. <laughs> Futures-wise, I, futures wise, I do have a bet. I, I bet the under on Notre Dame. Um, I think that this team figures to be closer to an 8-4 and four Notre Dame than 9-3, uh, and 10-2 and two Notre Dame. Incredibly concerning offensive coordinator hire. They promoted their tight end coach, uh, Ger- uh, Gerard Parker. And while they go and get Sam Hartman in the transfer portal, and that sounds great, I still am a little concerned about the weapons. Sam Hartman played a very unique style at Wake Forest, a slow mesh offense. This can be a completely different offense for Hartman. So I wonder if there's some growing pains for the Irish on the offensive side of the ball. And I, you look at the schedule from a win total perspective, I, it's far from a cakewalk. I mean, you're talking road games at NC State, at Duke, at Louisville, at Clemson. They also play Pitt and USC and Ohio State at home. So a lot of toss-up games in there. I struggle to see Notre Dame navigating that schedule so perfectly so i think that this comes out to closer to an eight win notre dame than a nine ten win notre dame as for week zero haven't bet anything yet but it's navy or nothing for me i would i'm going to be interesting in taking the mids if this gets up to you know 21 and we're close we'll see i i think with the new clock you know obviously the first down not going to stop the clock i think navy they're kind of transitioning into a new offensive set but still going to be triple option principles and they're going to try and play keep away i think they could definitely keep this within three scores they covered last year against notre dame as well i believe that spread was around 17 17 and a half not i think the new coach factor a little overrated here on a neutral field in dublin i lean towards navy gonna wait for a 21 though hopefully Love it, love it. I was trying to make the case uh, for Navy yesterday with Ed. I want to just talk big picture with you. I can't believe we're a week away from week zero just about. What is your overall process when you factor in trying to get an edge on some of these games? Do you look at teams with returning starters? Is that one of the main things you look at? Or what what do you factor in? What do you mostly focus on? Yeah, I, I mean, it's months of research and just kind of prepared and comfortable with these teams and where, like you said, Aaron, there is returning production, where there is a system in place, where there may be some unfound upside, where there's maybe a new coordinator coming in that could be like a springboard and, you know, you're buying into that upside. So, you know, I, I've developed some opinions over, you know, the process. I mean, I bet, you know, north of like 40 win totals. I have opinions on a lot of teams that, I'm going to make some bets on because I believe either a team is overrated or underrated by the betting markets. So I think it's getting comfortable with the team layout and the team structure and who these teams are going into the year. And then, of course, digging into the matchup and how is this team and their opener going to fare against their opponent? Is the opponent maybe transitioning a bunch of players on the offensive line? Are the players bringing in a new offensive system? Is the secondary depleted against a high-powered offense? So 
it's looking for angles. It's looking for maybe some new players coming in, some transfers, buying into some upside or fading some potential downside. Uh, mm-hmm. So really, I think you got to you gotta feel comfortable with all these teams, in my opinion. It's not easy. You know, there's 133 FBS teams, but, you know, that's, that's why I put in the legwork in June and July. Do you prefer concentrating on some of the smaller schools and maybe the group of five schools uh, just because uh, perhaps those lines are not as sharp? Maybe folks don't look at them as carefully, yet at the same time you might find some value. Uh, For instance, one bet that I absolutely love for week zero is New Mexico State uh, minus seven and a half, minus seven, I believe against UMass, I really think the Aggies are putting together something that can contend in Conference USA. But as far as the overall process when it comes to the smaller schools, how much do you factor that in, uh, you know, all, your overall off-season previews and work? Yeah, uh, I, I tend to love all teams equally. Uh, I think that I give all of them probably the <laughs> same amount of, like, I go through the same uh, process with every single team, you know, look at the returning production, look at who's back, look at last year's roster, look at this year's roster, offense, defense. I try to treat every team the same way, even if, you know, your ACC teams, I may like know the players off the top of my head going into my process. But to me, yeah, I think that the tails are probably a little bit uh, wider on the group of five schools when you're talking Sunbelt or you're talking your AAC finding some longer shots down the board if you're talking like conference futures. Those are probably more apparent because that's a less known quantity when you're talking versus like the ACC and you're trying to find a long shot. Those will probably get gobbled up much faster. So yeah, I think that maybe considering I do a lot of this grunt work, it does maybe bear fruit in the group of five a little bit more, especially talking, you know, a longer shot coming in and there, I bet a handful. Um, But yeah, I think all these teams, I, I treat them all the same. And like I said, I love them all equally. It reminds That's me adorable. of parents when they're like, I don't have a favorite child. I exactly. love them all equally. <laughs> I, exactly. Or I hate That's them. not true, I, I though. It's not true. <laughs> I only have one, so I can say I have a favorite. Uh, the game that I find super intriguing is Florida at Utah because Cam Rising's injured. The backup's injured. They could be starting their third-string quarterback. We don't know what's going to happen here. What are your thoughts? I know you said you haven't placed any Week 0 bets yet, but what's your overall assessment of this game, and how do you rate Utah? So, to me, how I'm hoping the season plays out for Utah from a big-picture standpoint is I'm hoping Cam Rising sits until closer to conference play and the market kind of forgets about Utah. Maybe they lose to Florida in week one, or and then maybe they lose to Baylor in week two also. That's a tricky spot traveling to Waco. And maybe the market forgets about Utah, and we end up getting maybe this plus 550 to win the Pac-12 moves to plus 650 or plus 700, even though those games don't mean anything to the Pac-12. Obviously, that means Cam Rising isn't 100% just yet, but I think – to me, Kyle Whittingham wants to make this a 3P in the Pac-12, the last year of the Pac-12. Um, I think they're going to be really cautious with Cam Rising. Based on the reports, I don't know anything. I'm just reading through the tea leaves. I don't think Cam Rising is going to play. Still yeah. limited in practice. Maybe it's gamesmanship. I just think that the bigger prize is in the Pac-12, and that starts in week four against UCLA. I just don't know if they're going to rush Cam Rising back. 
backup rose lacerated kidney, I believe it was. He was in the hospital. I doesn't sound very uh, good. I don't know if he's going to play. And look, I, I went to Wisconsin. You can see the Wisconsin helmet behind me. I don't think Graham Mertz is very good, but it's still Florida. It's still an SEC school. So I think they're going to hold up pretty nicely. To me, only way to play this game, seven, I mean, this game has been trickling down all summer. Seven and a half is gone. Buy this touchdown right now with Florida plus seven. At the mm-hmm. worst, you're getting an underdog with a Utah team that's already banged up hanging into the year. If Cam Rising plays, you can buy out, or you can still ride this underdog at over a touchdown in a low total game. Or Cam Rising's ruled out, and this number drops to four, three and a half, three, and it's a third stringer likely for Utah, and Florida's a really live dog there. Big picture, I still like Utah. I'm probably looking to buy them to win the Pac-12. I'm probably hoping, though, the number drifts out a little bit further, though, as the market sours on them. Maybe my SEC bias is showing, but I couldn't agree with you more as far as the Gators are concerned. It's definitely something where Florida, you know, they may be a 500 team in general, but they can be formidable against Utah. It's the rest mm-hmm. of the SEC East where you have to be worried about. And so that's kind of been my approach. But uh, rest of uh, week zero, uh, UTEP Jacksonville State's one that uh, I know we love UTEP uh, as a show for. Uh, USC is a 30-point favorite against San Jose State. That is a big number. Anything else from week zero kind of stand out to you uh, just upon a cursory glance? Yeah, week zero, that UTEP-Jacksonville State game. Um, over is my play. I, I also played – so I like Jacksonville State this season. Uh, we've seen – this was, a, I believe, a 10-win team in the FCS level last year, and they're jumping up to – uh, conference USA, which is probably going to be with the Mac as like the worst conference in college football this year. Only nine teams, a lot of weird scheduling quirks. Jacksonville State returns a ton on offense, particularly Zion Webb, their dual threat quarterback. Now, this is Rich Rodriguez, the head coach. He was the head coach um, at Michigan, runs a spread offense. Zion Webb, not necessarily the best downfield thrower, only threw for like 1,700 yards. He also rushed for 13 touchdowns last year. Really dynamic. I think this game's going to have a lot of pace. Uh, UTEP chucked the ball down the field last year. Really, that was their best form of offense with Gavin Harrison. Uh, I believe they graded top third in the country in explosive pass rate. I think you're going to see both offenses chunk plays left and right. I played 50 and a half. 51 is a key number. That's widely available. 52 is also a key number. I, I think... Once we get to 52, that's where I'd stop playing it. Uh, Jacksonville State, UTEP over 51 and a half. I think that that game is going to be uh, sneaky, the the one that steals the show come um, week zero. I think that game is going to be high scoring. And honestly, long-term Jacksonville State over four and a half wins. You can find plus money on that. Um, I like that quite a bit. I think plenty of toss-ups on that schedule. And we don't know the hierarchy of the Conference USA. We know it's Western Kentucky and Liberty at the top. After that, though, we don't know who's really the third best team and really who's the ninth best. Or we have a feeling of the ninth best team is probably FIU. But in between there, there's a lot of uh, room to move. And I think Jacksonville State can really wow some teams jumping up from the FCS level. You mentioned you do a lot of your prep in June and July for college football. Who did stand out as being overrated who maybe will surprise us? Um overrated that a team I'm fading that I've been seeing a lot, a lot of love. I saw someone mention them as like a CFP dark horse, uh, Texas tech. (laughs) I played their win total under seven and a half at minus 125. I believe that should be still available, but 
under seven and a half. This was a team that I see a lot of love for the offense. They played super fast. They go, they went for it the most, um, most fourth downs attempted last season. And listen, that works, but that also adds a lot of volatility to your win total. They believe, I believe they won four one score games last year. They also were top 25 in red zone defense last year. This was a defense that still was bottom half of the country in yards per play allowed. So it was bend, don't break. They won a lot of chaotic games, really overachieved. I like what they're doing big picture, but you look at last year, this team was like a going into the season, a fringe bowl team that went total around like five and a half last year. Now it's jumping to seven and a half. I think it's a really big jump from where they were last year. You look quarterback, Tyler Shuck gets injured a lot. They have some capable backups like Brennan Morton, but what if, the, it happens mid-game and you're thrown off there. With a team that goes for it so often, like Texas Tech, one coin flip goes the wrong way, you lose that game and you know, you're know you right for an upset. So this is a big jump in uh, expectation this season. Texas Tech, this is a Big 12, really crowded in the middle. Again, I'm just looking at last season, 23rd in red zone touchdown percentage on offense, 11 in explosive pass rate. But you know, they were 60th in points per drive. They scored a lot because they had a lot of possessions because they played so fast. So I wonder with Texas Tech, you look at their schedule, host Oregon week two, that's a really highly touted game, but you want to win, you want to go over this win total, you want to get to eight wins, you have to win that game. They're probably going to be a pick them in that game. They play TCU, they play Kansas State, they play at Baylor, at Texas. I think wow. seven comes up a lot more than eight, in my opinion. I think Texas Tech, this is a team you want to play back um, after having such a great season last year. Got about 90 seconds left here, Reed. When it comes to Heisman uh, predictions, sometimes you have winners not be on the board when it comes to the preseason. Outside of Tanner Mordecai, who I know you're incredibly high on, who else you feel like uh, can win the Heisman and who offers some real betting value here? I think it's wide open this year. I do. I really think there's a lot of guys with a realistic case. To me, the guy with the best path heading into the season that I am uh, playing into, Kate Klubnik of Clemson. Uh, I see yeah. 16 to 1s in the market. That's where I played it. I think Clemson has a very realistic chance to go undefeated in the regular season. They're going to be favored in every single game this year. Um, they host Florida State. They host Notre Dame. Other marquee matchups at Miami and at North Carolina State. I think there's plenty of runway with Garrett Riley coming in from TCU, uh, who created a Heisman finalist last year with who was the week one backup uh, in Max Duggan last year. Club Nick, five-star quarterback, plenty of pedigree, four or five returning offensive linemen. Clemson goes undefeated, 11 wins even. He's a finalist, 16 to one. I think that, that number's going to age like fine wine. <laughs> Again, we took Tanner Mordecai out of that possibility with this conversation. We <laughs> did include him. Obviously, he's number one. But Cade Klubnik, also a fantastic pick and definitely, I think, uh, a bet that I will be making. So good stuff there. Reed Wallach, host of the Early Read and a bet cited. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the NBA has announced its schedule for the upcoming season. What are a couple of key bets that we want to place right now? That's right here on the BetQL Network. <laughs> 